Good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good morning. Good to see all of you today. Well, let's open with prayer. God, thank you for everybody that made it here today. God, I pray uh, for our veterans and our veterans here today, and I thank you for this day. I, I hope they feel appreciated and loved today, and not just today, but every day. Please help us to um, show our thanks to them, God. More than anything, God, we're grateful for you, God. You said the greatest love is to lay down one's life for a friend, and God, to know that our Creator laid down His life for us so that we could have life. We don't have anything bigger than that to be grateful for. We love you, God, and I pray that you would speak through me. I pray, God, that we would be pointed to Jesus through Scripture. I pray, God, that we would be encouraged and built up in our faith. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would open up hearts and ears and eyes so that we can come to know you better, serve you better, uh, and know how much you love us so that we can uh, love you more too. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is our fifth week in the book of Romans. The Romans... The book of Romans is just packed with information, so we're spending a little bit more time in Romans than we normally would in another book. But today we're in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So Paul, after saying everything he said so far in this letter, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, we see here Paul talks about sacrifices. Well, we know that he's writing to a Jewish and a Gentile audience. He's writing to the Roman church. So we know that all of them would be familiar with the idea of a sacrifice, all of them would be familiar with the different kinds of sacrifices, and all of them would be familiar with the purpose of sacrifices. Sacrifices, no matter what you call them, what they're atoning for, what you're sacrificing, whether it's uh, the first of your harvest, whether it's an actual animal, they would have all known that a sacrifice ultimately has the goal of pleasing God in some way. And so Paul tells Christians what sacrifice they need to give. What, Paul, I thought, I thought we didn't need to give sacrifices anymore. I thought Jesus was the final sacrifice. Well, that's true. But Paul is going to tell us that we must submit our bodies, we must submit ourselves, not as another dead sacrifice, but as a living sacrifice. So the first thing we see in our passage is that Paul calls us to be a living sacrifice. And what does that mean when he says that? 
Well, ultimately, when you give God a sacrifice, you're giving Him all of something. And when you give your body as a living sacrifice, you're giving yourself as a sacrifice. You're giving yourself to God. I mean, this sounds complicated, but really he's saying give yourself fully to God. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, Richard Rohr, I like how he put it. He talked about how when he uh, was studying to be a Franciscan priest, so ultimately devoting a lot of his study to St. Francis of Assisi, that's his hero that he looked up to. So he, he talks about when he um, would talk to a spiritual director, and he would say, all I want to do is be like St. Francis. And he would say that over and over for his first decade, his first 10 years as a Franciscan priest. And finally one day his director said, hey Richard, you're not, and you're never going to be Francis of Assisi, you're not even close, all right? You're unfortunately Richard Rohr from Kansas. I said to myself, this doesn't sound nearly as dramatic or exciting, except when I realized all God wants is Richard from Kansas. But that's what I don't know how to give you, God, is what he said. It feels so insignificant, and yet this is the liberating secret. I am precisely the gift God wants in full and humble surrender. And we see this all throughout the Bible. Yes, people give sacrifices. They give other things to God, but they don't give themselves to God. They hold themselves back from God. And God says, all those things are great, but what I really want, what I really want is you. And yet, what did Richard Rohr say? That feels so insignificant. And yet, to God... It is very significant. It's more significant than any other sacrifice that we could give, more than any other dead sacrifice we can give. God wants us to give our lives, ourselves, to Him. So why is Paul saying this to a group of believers? You would think he would be saying this to people who don't yet know Jesus. But no, he's talking to people who have already I mean, the majority of them have already given their lives to Jesus. They've already put their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross. So why is he saying in the present tense, submit your body, submit yourselves as living sacrifices? If, if we're already believers, then why are we needing to do this in the present? Why isn't this just a past tense? Oh, you submitted your life. You're good to go. No, Paul says, submit your life as a living sacrifice. Well, D.L. Moody has a famous quote that really applies to Romans chapter 12. He says, the problem with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. I mean, if you have a sacrifice and put it on the altar and kill it, you're done. But a living sacrifice, it keeps trying to crawl away from the altar. And ultimately, that's what Paul is trying to say. He's saying that you have given your lives to Jesus and nobody can take that away from you. You're not going to lose that, but you don't just make that decision and just hide in your room all day. You make that decision and you give yourself to God. You give all of yourself to God. You don't hold anything back. And yes, it's scary to be on the altar. The altar is a scary place to be, but Paul is saying it's better to be a living sacrifice on the altar than to be anywhere else in the world.
Well, we might ask, well, if I give myself to God, Paul, let's say I give myself to God. I know I'm saved. I know I've put my faith in, in God through Jesus. But if I, if I submit all myself to him, if I say, God, I give you my job, my work, my relationships, my thoughts, everything, am I going to lose myself? I don't know if I want to give myself to God. Is God just going to make me just another robot? Is God going to delete my personality? Well, I remember in college, one of my Bible professors, he pointed out when you look at the Bible and when you read it, do you notice how each book, each writer has its own personality? God doesn't take away our personalities. No, God brings us to our true personalities. God shows us the real us. He doesn't take away our personalities, but he makes us the real us. What does that mean? Well, C.S. Lewis, in Mere Christianity, he said, keep back nothing from God. Nothing that you have not given away will ever really be yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. And so sometimes we're afraid to submit to God. We're afraid to give ourselves to God because we think that God's going to make us some kind of robot. But really, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that nothing that you hold back can ever be raised from the dead. If we say, God, I want all of my life to be raised from the dead. I want all of my relationships. I want all of my job, everything that I do to be resurrection life. And yet I'm going to hold on to some of it and not give it to you. Then it doesn't work out that way. Nothing that does not die can be resurrected. This doesn't mean that you're not saved, but you're trying to hold things back and it's making you miserable whereas if you just gave it to God if you surrendered your whole self to God then you would be able to experience what God has for you the second thing we see is in verse 2 it's, Paul says be transformed by the renewal of your mind so the first thing he says is do not be conformed to this world what does conform mean conform means to just go along with something, but be transformed, a dramatic change by the renewal of your mind, the, the fixing up for the better. So basically, don't go along with this world, but be changed dramatically by the fixing of your mind for the better. Paul's basically saying what C.S. Lewis was saying, if you, if you hold anything back, how can you expect to move forward? This principle works with Everything, let's say I'm listening to the radio and I'm on 92.5 and I want to go to another station, 102.1. Well, can I get to the other station if I leave it on the station I'm on? No, you have to move the tuner. You have to move to the new radio station. And Paul is saying, how can you expect to be in tune with God? How can you expect to have your mind change? How can you expect dramatic change in your life if you're still going along with the old way of living with everybody else in the world? He's saying, no, unless you submit your life to God, to that new station, how can you expect different music? How can you expect different talk? 
we can't have two stations at the same time, and we can't expect to move on to the next station unless we move on from the old station. So Paul is saying, submit all of yourselves to God. Give all of yourself to God, because that is how you move from the old way to the new way. If you keep holding on to that old radio station, that's fine, but don't expect new music. Paul is saying, don't be conformed. It's almost like if Paul was telling you to change the radio station, oh, this would sound weird, but he's saying, do not be conformed to 92.5, but be transformed by the renewing of the radio. That would be kind of weird if somebody said that to you. But ultimately, Paul is trying to say, let's move on to God's will, what God wants, but we can't do that by staying where we are now. Well, what, what does being a living sacrifice have to do with the renewal of your mind? We know that verse 1 and verse 2 go together. But how does giving yourself as a living sacrifice affect your mind? How does it affect the renewal of your mind? Well, Timothy Keller, when talking about this passage, he talked about a young girl who was about 15 or 16 years old. And she was at this church conference, and ultimately she made this decision, I'm going to go into full-time missionary service. And this was back in the 1930s. So the mission agency said, okay, that's great, but you, you can't be a full-time missionary unless you're married, unless you have a husband. You know, you, we have to worry about your safety. We need a husband to protect you. There's other cultural customs in these other countries in which you would need a husband with you. So for those reasons, they said, you're going to have to have a husband before we send you off as a full-time missionary. So she said, okay, God, I've, I've given you everything. I will give you all that I have if you give me this one thing. I need a husband. Give me a husband, and, and I will go into full-time mission service for you. So she went off to Bible college. She went off to learn about being a missionary. She spent four years doing that. And then she went off to grad school, kind of like seminary. She went off to seminary for two or three years. And by the end of that time, no dates, no boyfriend, no husband. And on the night before graduation, she said, I went into my room, an angry young woman, and I said to God, God, what do you want? I just need a husband, and yet you won't give me a husband. But she said she realized that night that she wasn't miserable because she had taken her hand off of her life. No, she was miserable because she never had. She had this view of a heroic life. She had this view of getting to go somewhere and God following along, she didn't realize it at the time, but she was trying to lead the way. She ultimately had not really submitted herself to God. I mean, that sounds crazy, right? She's given her life to full-time missionary work, and yet she still learned years later, I was doing that for me. Do you see why Paul says... Give yourself to God. Do you see why this is so important? 
Because if she hadn't really submitted all of her life to God, it's not that she wasn't saved, it's not that she wasn't a believer, but ultimately, by giving her life to God, there was still this struggle to not crawl off the altar. There was still this struggle to give all of her life to God, to give God her potential husband. I mean, she thought she had done that, but really, ultimately, what Timothy Keller says is that whatever's on the other side of God, I will serve you if that is what you've ultimately given your life to. That is ultimately what you're sacrificing for. And she learned that night, I haven't really given my life to God. I've just given it to this vision of life that I had. But you see how her mind was changed? Do you see how there was a, a dramatic change? It may not happen overnight. And sometimes we say, God, you need to tell me what to do right now. I need it in clear, perfect English. And I need an actual compass pointing me where to go. But it doesn't always work like that. And when we submit our lives to God, we may not know exactly where to go. But if we give our lives, if we hold back our lives to ourselves, like C.S. Lewis said, we can't move forward. We'll be miserable, not because we've given up our lives, but because we've been holding on to it the whole time. Well, Paul, Paul says, this is your spiritual worship, or at least in the translation I read, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And when I looked in all the different translations this week, they all said, give your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. Well, I think the King James Version gets it the most right in this case. Because when I look at the Greek, it says, give your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your reasonable service. So why do translations translate it as this is your spiritual worship? Well, yes, the word is service, but service can mean worship, especially when Paul is writing. Because in Paul's day, if somebody wanted to give their life to something, I give my life to the service of beauty. Well, service became another way of saying worship. I give my life to the worship of this. And so when Paul says, this is your reasonable service, he is technically saying this is your spiritual worship. But he's saying, I want us to hear this because this is in the Greek that Paul was using. He says, this is your reasonable service. And we may say, God, how is this my reasonable service? How is it reasonable for me to give my life as a living sacrifice. Well, that girl who I was talking about who wanted to go into full-time mission work, she realized that night, she even said, I realized I could trust him with my life. When I realized that he was more wise than me and when I realized that he was more loving than me. He had better plans for my life than even I have. He's he knows more than I do. He loves more than I do. That part of my life that I was holding on to, that even I didn't realize I was holding on to, I can even give that away to God. I can give all of myself to God because He is wise, wiser than me and more loving than me. And how can I know that He's wiser than me? And how can I know that He's more loving than me? How can I know that? I can know that because of what Jesus did on the cross. I can trust Jesus because Jesus went to the cross for me. Jesus 
died for me. It's not some random person that Paul is saying, trust. He's saying, no, Paul, go fully into submission to the one. Trust the one who gave himself up for you, who made you, who created you, who loves you. And when you realize that, you realize you're not just submitting to a random person. You're submitting to the one that has the best for you, that knows the best for you, that's given all of himself for you. Jesus gave himself up as a dying sacrifice for you so that you could be a living sacrifice for him. So why does Paul say this is your reasonable service? This is your reasonable worship. It's reasonable because God gave all of himself to us. And if God gave all of himself to us, isn't it reasonable that we would give all of ourselves to him? And the good news is we don't have to be dying sacrifices. Jesus already was that for us. But because of him, we can be living sacrifices. You know, no matter what you do, you're always submitting to something. You're always sacrificing your life for something, be it your job, your family, your career, whatever it is. But those only lead to being miserable. Remember that girl, she wasn't miserable because she had taken her hand off her life. She was miserable because she never had. And the good news is that Jesus wants us to be living sacrifices. He wants to find life. He wants us to find life in submission to him. But we can only really submit ourselves to him when we realize that he submitted ourselves for us, that he submitted himself to the pain and agony and depression and horror and nightmare of the cross so that we could have him, so that we could be with him, so that we could have life and life to the fullest and not fear death because it's been defeated because Jesus submitted to it and defeated it. That's our good news. This is the way any relationship works, isn't it? You can't be in a relationship without submitting yourself to it. I mean, you can be married and then you can just hide in your room all day and never talk to that person. But what kind of a life is that? Paul says, no, you're, you're married to God through Christ. You have that. Nothing can take that away from you. But don't you want to live in what he has for you? Don't you want to live the life he has to you, for you? Don't you want to go and do the work that he has for you? You can't do that unless you give all of yourself to him. Hold nothing back, as C.S. Lewis said. Nothing that you don't ever give away will ever really be yours. No, God wants to transform us. He wants to bring us into resurrection life. But if we keep holding on to all of these things, we will never get to experience all those good things that Jesus has for us. Yes, we are saved. Yes, we have life in Christ. But we give ourselves to him every day, even though it can be a scary place to be on that altar. You know, we talk about doing an altar call where people come up to accept Jesus. But a lot of times after that, we just do an altar crawl. We try to crawl off and Jesus says, no, it's better to be a living sacrifice. It's better for you. I know it's best for you. I love you more than you love you. I know better for you than what you know for you. And that doesn't mean that hard times aren't going to come. That doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. But ultimately, when we give ourselves to God, we don't live by those things. We don't live by those circumstances. We live by the one we've given our life to. And the only way to really fully experience that life is to not hold anything back, but give ourselves fully to him because Jesus gave himself fully to us. Let's pray.
God, sometimes we read this passage and we are very confused, God, because we, we think it's calling us to be, become Christians over and over again. And, and no, that's, that's, that's a once and forever thing, God. But God, in any relationship, it requires giving up of ourselves, laying down of our lives. And the reason we do that, God, is because we know that it's worth it. We know that it's worth it. And God, we know it's worth it to give up ourselves, give ourselves to you, give you our worries, our fears, our anxieties, our hopes, and our dreams, our expectations, all of those things, God, because we know that you, we can trust you with all of those things, God. We love you and we thank you that you held nothing back from us, not even your own son, but you sacrificed yourself on the cross so that we could be with you, not partially, but fully, God. So I pray, God, that we would celebrate that we get to be living sacrifices. I celebrate, God, that we get to be with you fully and totally, God. I pray that we would trust you enough to say today, God, I'm giving you everything today as a living sacrifice, not a dying sacrifice. Jesus already did that for me. But because he did that for me, I can give my life to you every day, every hour, every minute, every year as a living sacrifice. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.